Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday that I'm going to try to release every single Monday morning because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary garbage, and you know you'd rather be hearing my bullshit anyway, right? So I've scoured the internet for the headlines so that you don't have to. Happy commuting, and don't murder anyone this week, okay? So here we go. So our first article comes from KKCO 11 News, and the article title is Man Gets Life in Prison for Fatally Stabbing Child More Than 50 Times. Out of Reno, Nevada, a man who killed a 12-year-old boy will spend the rest of his life in prison, as he fucking should. According to the Washoe County District Attorney's Office, 44-year-old Edward Rivas stabbed the boy more than 50 times before setting him on fire, apparently to cover up the evidence. Rivas pleaded guilty to first-degree murder with the use of a deadly weapon and to first-degree arson. KOLO reports the 44-year-old was sentenced to life in prison without the opportunity of parole. Authorities said an additional 20 years was also added to Rivas's prison sentence for using a deadly weapon and another 15 years for arson. The boy, identified as Stevie Jamin, I think that's pronounced, was found dead at a Reno area home in September 2020. Police said Rivas lived at the house for a short time with Stevie and his mother, and the fire Riva set also killed the family dog. Somebody call John Wick. The next article comes from Fox 7 Austin News. Title is Wife Accused of Murdering Husband on Facebook Live. Coming out of Lowness County, Mississippi, a Mississippi woman is in custody after authorities believe she murdered her husband on Facebook Live. The county sheriffs said deputies responded to a domestic violence call Saturday morning on the 500 block of Green Tree Drive. They arrested Khadija Michelle Brown, 28, after believing she shot and killed her husband. Authorities said the 28-year-old male victim died from a single gunshot wound and was pronounced dead on the scene. Investigators believe the couple were involved in an argument that turned physical. The incident was captured on Facebook Live. Officers recovered a 9mm handgun and other physical evidence. Brown was taken into custody without incident and was transported to the Loudness County Adult Detention Center. Quote, there was a history of domestic violence between Brown and the victim, Sheriff Eddie Hawkins said in a Facebook post, quote, This was a tragic and senseless murder, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the victim, end quote. Fortunately, Brown is in custody, and they look forward to the criminal justice system holding her accountable. Next, out of CBS 12 News, the title says, Calls of Naked Woman Climbing Tree Leads to Homicide Investigation in West Palm Beach. 
So deputies with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office found the body of a woman in West Palm Beach after responding to calls about a naked woman climbing a tree. Investigators said deputies responded to the suspicious person complaint around 9.14 a.m. near Magnolia Drive in unincorporated West Palm Beach. When they arrived, they were told the woman was running throughout the neighborhood. So the woman, 34-year-old Cherie Williams, was located and detained with further investigation leading to a nearby residence. Inside, deputies found the dead woman, according to detectives. The sheriff's office believes Williams was involved in the homicide and she was taken to the hospital for treatment. She has been charged with premeditated first-degree murder. There is no known motive at this time. But I kind of wonder why she was climbing the tree. Our next article comes from lawandcrime.com. Article is, quote, no, no, no. Woman lashes out in court during sentencing for murdering her two daughters to spite her Navy pilot ex-husband. Yikes. Virginia woman and convicted murderer Veronica Youngblood, 37, was kicked out of court for lashing out during her sentencing hearing for killing her two daughters, Brooklyn, 5, and Sharon, 15. No, 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 she shouted on Thursday, according to WUSA. Youngblood reportedly kept yelling even as the judge cleared the room. So jurors in the Fairfax County convicted Youngblood on Wednesday for two counts each of first-degree murder and felony firearm use. She fatally shot Brooklyn and Sharon on August 5, 2018, at their apartment in the community of McLean, according to the Washington Post. Brooklyn was shot in the head and died at the scene. Sharon, despite suffering gunshot wounds to her chest and back, managed to call 911 and reveal that her mother shot her. She died at the hospital. Prosecutors say that at the same time Sharon was calling police, Youngblood left a message for her ex-husband, Ron, telling him that she shot their children and that she hated him, according to prosecutors at trial. Quote, The suspect, 33-year-old Veronica Youngblood, was found in Loudoun County after an acquaintance called police when Youngblood knocked on their front door, Fairfax County Police said in 2018. According to prosecutors, she killed her children to get revenge on her ex, who was planning to move to Missouri with their younger daughter. Quote, this person wants to manipulate. This person wants to lie, ensue, chaos, all for this person's personal gain. End quote. Prosecutor Claiborne Richardson reportedly said that she is also spiteful, selfish, vengeful, and calculated. Authorities said defendant Youngblood purchased the gun nine days before the killings, intending to use it on her daughters. She gave them sleeping pill gummies before the incident. Youngblood pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. The defense brought up allegations that relatives subjected her to physical and even sexual abuse when she was growing up in Argentina. Pregnant at 16, she ended up going into sex work to take care of her younger sister and raise Sharon. 
The defense reportedly said she met Ron Youngblood through sex work and the couple married in 2009. Brooklyn was born in 2012. Veronica testified about her experience surviving poverty and abuse. Her sister, Maria, testified about defendant Youngblood practicing a religion called Umbanda, Umbanda? please feel free to correct me, whose believers thought they could communicate with the dead. Quote, I don't live in a world where there is black or white, Fairfax County Public Defender Dawn reportedly said, quote, I live in a world where there are a lot of shades of gray, and that's what we're seeing here, end quote. Ron, who had deployed overseas during the relationship, sat in court Thursday as Veronica testified and blamed him for their daughter's death. <sighs> quote, why did you leave me? Defendant Youngblood called out to him. WUSA described the man as stoic. Quote, why did you leave me alone with the girls? None of this would have happened. End quote. Ron testified about the pain he experienced losing his daughters. He spoke of the memorials he built for them in Chantilly, Virginia, and his Missouri hometown, both of which carry the same inscription. The memorials say children are true miracles. So it's his fault that she murdered his kids? Come on. Come on. Our next one comes from thedailybeast.com, titled, Mom Speaks Out After Three Daughters Are Strangled, Dumped in Pond. So three young sisters who disappeared from their Texas home last year before searchers found their bodies in a nearby pond had not drowned, but were strangled to death before being dumped in the water, according to local authorities. And the children's mom says she, quote, suspected foul play from the jump, end quote. Quote, fuck everyone else's feelings, I want answers, end quote, Mrs. Oliver told the Daily Beast in her first interview. When the remains of her children, 9, 8, and 5 years old, were found on July 30th, 2022, the circumstances surrounding the tragic discovery were at first unclear. Quote, that is unknown whether they were swimmers or not, end quote, Lieutenant Game Warden Jason Jones told Texarkana NBC affiliate TKAL at the time, quote, none of them had life jackets on, so I don't know how strong of swimmers they were or if they were swimmers at all, end quote. On Friday, Cass County District Attorney Courtney Sheldon announced that the girls had lacerations on their faces and died by strangulation and were, in fact, the victims of a homicide. Oliver's 31-year-old cousin was babysitting the kids and their three siblings, who were unharmed at the time while Oliver was at work. The mother, 28, got a call from the cousin, who was using a neighbor's phone around 9 p.m., on July 29th, she told the Daily Beast. He told her simply, quote, that my kids were missing, end quote. He didn't say how many, he just said missing. So as I'm driving home, I'm calling 911, something that he should have done from the jump and then call me, end quote. 
deputies from the Cass County Sheriff's Office, wardens from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and fire rescue crews from Cass County Emergency Services District No. 2 mounted a search for the girls. They discovered a pair of shoes at the edge of a pond roughly 200 yards away from Oliver's home. A dive team from neighboring Bowie County was brought in and the children's bodies were recovered in the early morning of July 30th. Now, Oliver's cousin, who did not answer phone calls or respond to email requests for comment, is being prevented from speaking to investigators by his mother, Oliver's aunt. Quote, why won't she let him talk to the police or take him down to the police? All I want is justice for my babies. End quote. The cousin, for his part, has a relatively minor criminal history that includes misdemeanor weapons, narcotics, and criminal mischief arrests. Things are difficult for Oliver in the aftermath of her loss, though she said she is holding okay, I guess. Clearly the cousin wasn't watching the children. This one's kind of, I don't know why all of a sudden all of the articles that I find are about children, but here we go. This is from Vice.com, Vice World News. It is titled, 10-Year-Old Boy Killed by His Own Family in a Human Sacrifice Ritual. The ritualistic killing was reported in India, where superstition is closely tied to religion and politics. So police in India have arrested three men in connection with a murdered 10-year-old boy who they believe was, quote, sacrificed in a black magic ritual. Two of the arrested men are related to the boy. On March 26th, police found the body of Vivek Verma in the fields of Barak City in the northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. I probably butchered all of that. I apologize. Police inquiries led to the victim's cousin, Anoop. Police said Anoop had a two-and-a-half-year-old son who is regularly sick, adding that when medical treatment didn't work, he went to a local black magic practitioner who suggested a child be sacrificed to improve his health. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Prashant Verma, the superintendent of police in that area, told media at a press conference that they've arrested Anoop, the black magic practitioner, and a relative called Chintaram, who allegedly used a spade to kill Vivek. A murder case has been registered against all three. You see, there is no centralized law that directly addresses superstition and ritualistic human sacrifices in India, but each state has its own regulations. India's National Crime Records Bureau recorded 103 ritualistic sacrifices between 2014 and 2021. Most were sacrificed with the belief that it will bring prosperity, fertility, or healing. 
Now, never you fear, because there is campaigning against human sacrifices and has been going on for years and links superstitious practices to missing children data with the official number of untraced kids in India estimated at over 100,000. They say that many children are found with their organs missing, which point to superstitious rituals. Holy vey. You guys have probably heard about this, but this comes from KTVB7. The title says, Lori Vallow defense wants some family excluded from the trial, which, by the way, I'm hearing cameras are not going to be allowed into. So, you know, I've already had my temper tantrum about that. But, you know, if we don't get to see the actual trial, we're going to have to wait for people to come out and tell us what's going on. And I'm most displeased, but I digress. The article says, in an abrupt hearing right before trial, Lori Vallow's defense team wants J.J. Vallow's grandparents excluded because they are not, quote, victims. Coming out of Boise, Idaho, Lori Vallow, the woman charged with murdering her two children and her husband's ex-wife, appeared in the county court Wednesday, where her defense argued to exclude most family members from watching portions of her trial on April 3rd. Judge Stephen Boyce issued an order to exclude witnesses from sitting in on others' testimony in order to prevent issues down the road of potential testimony changes. Victims are allowed to be present during a trial, but victims who are also testifying witnesses can complicate exclusionary orders. Victims who are witnesses can submit a petition to the court to be excluded from the order, but Boyce said they haven't sent the petitions out yet. Vallow and her husband, Chad Daybell, are both charged with murder and conspiracy in the killings of Vallow's two children, 7-year-old J.J. Vallow and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, along with Daybell's ex-wife, Tammy Daybell, in Fremont County. I don't really think she was ever technically his ex-wife. This is a side note because I'm pretty sure he, well, allegedly, supposedly, she died natural causes. Yeah, right. And I think they were still married. But whatever. Larry and Kay Woodcock, the grandparents of J.J. Vallow, are expected to sit in on the trial, but because Kay Woodcock could be called to testify, the defense wants her excluded for portions of the trial. The defense also said because the judge dropped the death penalty, they likely won't be calling many witnesses. Jim Archibald, Lori Vallow's attorney, told the judge Kay Woodcock isn't a victim in this case because she, quote, isn't a grandma, end quote. But biologically, she was. The defense said Colby Ryan, Lori Vallow's other child, is the only one who meets the legal definition of a victim. Colby Ryan is the only one who qualifies under the statute to remain in the courtroom as a victim, but we do not believe the Woodcocks meet that definition. If they're intending to be called as witnesses, we ask that they be excluded. Grandma is the name she gave herself. Her son terminated parental rights. She is not a grandma. End quote. Our next article comes from Inside Edition, and it is titled 81-Year-Old Colorado Man Allegedly Kills Wife and Daughter Over Fear of Them Experiencing Homelessness. 
So Inglewood Police Chief Tracy Jones described the scene as one of the most gruesome his detectives have ever worked on. An 81-year-old Colorado man was arrested after he allegedly confessed to the brutal murders of his 70-year-old wife and adult daughter. The police received a call from 81-year-old Reginald McLaren on Saturday evening to report that his wife and adult daughter had been murdered, according to a press release from the police. Police say on the phone call, McLaren also told them that he knew the suspect and that the suspect had used a hammer. When police arrived, they found the two victims, Bethany McLaren, 70, and Ruth Jennifer McLaren, 35, deceased inside large trash cans in the living room kitchen area. Police said the victims were killed with an axe and one was dismembered by a saw. How old was this man? Jesus! Inglewood Police Chief Tracy Jones described the scene as one of the most gruesome his detectives have ever worked on. Detectives working the case were able to collect enough evidence to establish probable cause to arrest McLaren on murder charges. According to an arrest affidavit, McLaren confessed to the murders and allegedly told police that he does not regret the killings because he lost his job and didn't want his family to become homeless. He allegedly told detectives he knew, quote, what a miserable life that was, and he knows that they are in a better place, end quote. McLaren was charged with first-degree murder and is currently being held without bail in an Arapahoe County jail, according to jail records. But why the dismemberment? So another article comes out of Crime and Justice, and the title says, Keegan Klein, Delphi murder suspect, pleads guilty to 25 felonies, including child pornography. Now, this is not the guy that's been um, arrested who worked at the CVS or whatever it was. This is another guy that they think was pretending to be another guy that was talking to one of the girls via Snapchat or something. But anyway, Miami County, Indiana, a 28-year-old suspect connected to the Delphi murders of Libby German and Abby Williams, who were killed allegedly in 2017. I mean, they were killed. I don't know why it says allegedly has pleaded guilty to child pornography charges. Keegan Klein entered a plea of guilty in court on Thursday, March 30th, to 25 felony charges, including child solicitation, child exploitation, possession of child pornography, and obstruction of justice. Klein told the judge that he was, quote, clear-headed and understood the consequences of a guilty plea. However, he did not plead guilty to any charges related to the Delphi murders. So who is Keegan Klein? He is from Peru, Indiana, and he's currently in jail in Miami County. He was charged in August of 2020 with 30 counts that included child exploitation, possession of child pornography, and obstruction of justice. Earlier, Indiana State Police linked Klein to the Delphi Girls' murders. A report by The Sun stated that Klein, an alleged online catfish and accused pedophile, was in communication with Libby German through a fake Snapchat account. So there you go. He apparently spoke to her hours before she died on the Delphi Historic Trails. He told investigators, 
quote, I literally have no clue how that girl died. I don't know anything, anything to do with it. Yeah, it is a weird-ass coincidence that I happened to talk to her like I get that, end quote. He allegedly said that he received about 100 sexual pictures from about 15 underage girls. During the investigation, Klein was never officially named a suspect. The sentencing for Klein related to felony charges is scheduled for May 18th. So you have fun in prison, douche. And our last article comes from frontpagedetectives.com. And the title says, Rasheem Carter went to police twice. They told him they aren't a taxi service. One month later, he was found dead in the woods with severed penis in his mouth. So the article reads, Rasheem Carter was found dead last year under suspicious circumstances in Mississippi. The news reports state he asked police for help twice, but they turned him away before his disappearance one month later. According to MSNBC, Ben Crump, the attorney representing Carter's family, said Rashim, 25, went to the Taylorsville Police Department on two separate occasions regarding a group of white men that were following him in pickup trucks. Crump said Carter, who did file a police report, asked officers for a ride to his hotel because he was afraid, but they told him no and said they are not a taxi service. After his second visit to the police station, Carter allegedly called his mother and told her his phone battery was low. Carter pinned his location so a friend who lived nearby could pick him up. However, when the friend came to that location hours later, Carter was nowhere to be found. So on November 2nd, 2022, Carter's remains were found, quote, dismembered and scattered in the woods just a few miles from the Taylorsville Police Department, where he twice sought help, said Crump. Carter, a welder, was in Taylorsville working on a contracting gig. That job ended when he and the business owner got into an argument which led to Carter fearing for his life, front-page detectives previously reported. He allegedly told his mother his boss, quote, would be responsible if something happened to him, but the boss has denied any role in the death of Carter. Despite Carter's head being severed from his body and his remains being found in different locations, officials have said there was no foul play and they attributed it to animals. What? Carter's family did work with a private investigator who determined Carter's severed, decomposing penis was in his mouth and that his bones were broken and cut cleanly in a manner inconsistent with an animal attack. Crump has urged the Department of Justice to investigate Carter's death, saying Mississippi is, quote, unwilling to investigate when a black man is brutally killed and there should be no doubt that this was an act of murder, a hate crime, a Mississippi lynching, end quote, according to MSNBC. And it does certainly sound like that. That is absolutely horrific. And so that's what I've got for you this week, guys. Just try to remember, you know, we're all in this together. We all have our nine to fives or our overnight shifts, whatever we have, but we must endure it. It is what it is, guys. We got to do it. 
I want you guys to have a great week. Regular podcast up this Thursday. Love you guys. Behave yourselves. Talk to you later.